Good morning, everyone. How are you? I know you're wondering, who's this woman? I don't know her. Um, I am, um, you know Jeff and Crystal, yes? Jeff Fitzgerald, he often teaches for James Barron. I'm Crystal's sister. Um, and so we ministered together at um, other, another church several years ago and had a lot of fun. Um, but James Barron's out of town, and so he has asked me to come and speak to you. And um, I'm very excited, so I want to just say a prayer really quick. Father, I just thank you so much for this time. I thank you, Lord, um, for each and every person here, Lord, that's just hungry to know more about you, Jesus. They're ready to learn more about you, Jesus. God, so come and teach us, Lord. You are the teacher, Lord. And, Lord, I'm just the messenger. I'm the mailman, Lord, that delivers what you say. So come and speak. Use my lips, Lord, I pray. And bless our hearts that we can know more about you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the title of my teaching, sharing, uh, is called The End. I feel like I should hear, dum, dum, dum. (laughs) The End. I I really want you to think about this. I'm the kind of person, I I like interaction with the the audience when I teach. And um, so if you have something to say, splurt it out. It's not going to offend me at all. Um, The End. Like... Think about that. What do you think? Like, really think about this. Like, what do you think about when you think, the end? The end is coming. A lot of people think, heaven! Yay! And, uh, and of course, it means heaven. But that's the ultimate end. There's an end here. Um, the end. Like, you see it when you're watching a movie and, like, the credits roll. And then you see, you see the end and everyone gets up and leaves. Unless, of course, you know, it's an Avengers or a Marvel movie, and you know there's going to be a, a, a clip at the end for the next movie. But you're reading a good book, and then you close it, and you see the end. You're like, ah, oh, the end means the end. And you know what? The law was a means to an end. The law. I want to talk to you today about um, self-righteousness versus righteousness. And see, the law was just a means to an end. In fact, it wasn't even like the first, it wasn't even the first like choice of, of Jesus, of, of God. If it was, it would have been there in the Garden of Eden. You know, and then when, of course, when they were kicked out of the garden and then Cain killed his brother, was he sentenced to death immediately? No. He was exiled. He was exiled with a protection. There was grace. And then Abraham, who's a father of our faith, lied and lied again. And literally, if you'll go back and look at that scripture after he lied, the next verse and chapter, he's blessed. <laughs> like he leaves with all this truckload of gold. And so basically, his righteousness could not have been upon his behavior. So what, what was the law? Why did it come? Well, in Exodus 19.20, it, it was never God's means. The law was just a means to an end. And what was the end? The end was for us to come to the end of ourselves. Because why? Okay, in the Garden of Eden, man had everything. Literally everything. Think about this. I'm a temperament therapist, and so I teach people how to communicate. And in this fallen world, men are from Mars and women are from Venus. And so I have... But in the Garden of Eden, think about this. There was perfect communication. Not one look was misunderstood. 
Could you imagine that? When she was like, he's like, oh, I know exactly what she means. You know, it was perfect communication. It was perfect climate. You know, we go, we spend thousands of dollars to go to these remote um, islands to get the perfect experience that they had every day. And they had the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You would think, tree of life, life, life. They didn't choose the tree of life. They, cho- they chose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and when they did that, why did they choose that? Because Satan says, you will be as God. They were already like God. They literally bought into the lie that they were no longer like God. So that was the first act of self-righteousness, was trying to become holy or like God. Satan knew that they had a desire to be like, like their God, like their father, like the, the ultimate deity. But he tricked them into thinking they didn't already possess that. Who, whose image were they made in? They were made in the very image of God. So who are they most like? God. Did, they need to, to, did Eve need to eat the apple to be like God? No, she was already like God. So that is what the enemy does. He did it in the Garden of Eden, and he's still doing it today. And that, that, I will attest to you, is why many churches throughout the world don't work. I love the church. I'm not the kind of person that bashes the church. I, I cry for the church. I love the church because we're the church. And those who are out there who don't even know Jesus, they're the church. But the thing is, a lot of times the reason why it doesn't work is that people are offended at the church or they're leaving the church is because they're still giving them the end. That side, the law came to an end. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about. That's my introduction. It's long and windy, but that's what I want to talk to you about. So, so basically, the law entered at Mount Sinai. It didn't come in the Garden of Eden when they ate the apple. It didn't come when Cain killed Abel. It didn't come when Abraham lied. When did it come and why? Okay, that's what I want to talk to you about for just a minute. Okay, Romans... Um, Excuse me, let's go to Exodus first. Exodus 19.20. If you want to turn there. I'm going to start with verse 7. Exodus 19 and 7. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak um, the pe- to the people. The people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. In many other translations, it says, it says this. This is my phone. Sorry, all my notes are on my phone. Um, And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses returned and reported the words of the people to the Lord. I want you to know, I looked that up. I looked up the Hebrew word for all, and it's kol, K-O-L. It means the totality thereof. Everything, the whole lump. Basically, the people were saying, the totality of what Jesus is and what God says, we can do. Does that sound like the same lie in the garden where, where the enemy looked at Eve and said, you eat this apple and you'll have the totality of God. You'll be like God. And so the people said, all that God says, the totality, we can do. And so then in the next chapter, the Ten Commandments enters the world. Do you understand that that was never God's choice? And so why was the law given? It was very clear. Because in Romans 5.20 it says, the law was added, or another word 
for that is the, the law came in. It's the same Hebrew word that we'll talk about in just a second. The law was added or came in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So why was the law given? The law was given so that, that the trespass would increase. So do you know you're speeding if there's not a speed limit? The Audubon. You can go as fast as you want. And I know that my husband would love to go there someday and do it because he loves speed. But there's no sign. So can you break a speed limit law there? No. The, the law came in so that sin would increase. So when the people said, bring the law in, we can do it all, <laughs> they didn't realize what they were asking for. They were asking for all themselves to be exposed. And that's, that's what the law really was designed for. It was designed to bring man to the end of himself, to the end of ourselves. Because to whatever extent you think you can still do it, you can still be good. You can still get along with your husband. You can be good to your husband. You can be, you can be the best mom for your kids. You can be the best employer. You can be the best evangelist. You can be the best. To that extent that you feel that you can do that, that's the extent that you have cut off the supply of God. Because it's either our act of righteousness, which is self-righteousness, or it's a divine gift. And the thing is, is that when it's self you lose your peace. I want to. I want to turn to. Um, I want to turn to Romans five, please. This um, chapter has been. I've been studying this one chapter for I know two months, and I really couldn't get out of it. And I'm like, because I'm a, I'm a melancholy temperament. I like to move in segments at a very steady pace. So when I was studying this and I couldn't get out of chapter five, I'm like. Why can't I get out of this chapter? I want to move forward. And because I know the Lord was telling me there's something here that you're missing. In um, Romans um, chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God, with our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to stop right there. Why do we have peace? Since we've been justified through faith. Does the faith give us peace? How many of you here have faith? How many of you have total peace? No, that's not it. It's to know you're justified in your faith. To know you are justified brings peace. And let me tell you, there was a time in my life, I grew up in the church. My mom and dad were in leadership from the time I can remember. I would wake up in the, on the church bench and I'd go to sleep on the church bench. I was there Sunday twice a, twice a day on Wednesday, and any time there they called a prayer meeting. I mean, I grew up in the church. I love the church. I've always loved the church, and my parents love the church. But I was raised in a very legalistic background that, that you, you know, holiness was something that you wore on the outside to tell people what was on the inside. And um, it, there was a lot of rules and a lot of regulations, and, and, um, and I can remember as a child just crying, like, God, I just want to please you just want to please you. Like I, my actions really wanted to please him. I didn't know that Jesus had pleased him for me. No one ever told me that. The power of the cross was, I didn't get the cross. I know he died on it. Basically, the cross was my ticket to heaven. I didn't know that it meant that I was free, that, that me and God were good. Because some days I was going to hell and some days I was going to heaven. 
Do you know what I mean? And I got saved every time I went to church because I wanted to make sure I made it into heaven. And so I, I wasn't a dummy. I'm, I'm going to, if, if there's a sin there, I need to make sure that I covered it because I may forget to say it because, you know, you had to repent every single sin. <laughs> so I live with the burden of, of, like, seeing God as an inspector with a giant microscope waiting, waiting for me to mess up. And I can't tell you what a, well, how stressful that was. And then I meet this man who is a radical evangelist who was literally saved on an overdose, radically given the Holy Spirit. I, I had to pray for years to get the gift of the Holy Spirit. He gets it on an overdose. Like, what is that? You know? Like, that's just not fair. Like, they had to, like, like slap oil on me and, and smack me a couple times before I got the... Because, you know, I thought I had, you had to work for it. But he wakes up from an over... Drugs? Hello? You know, and so that's the beauty of God's grace, where sin abounds. Grace much more abounds. And so when he came into my life, I tried to give him law. You can't do that. You can't do that. And he would always say, you're so hard on me. You're so uptight. Like, relax. I didn't understand. How do you relax when you have God expecting all of this of you? You know? It was just... It was mind-blowing. And so, of course, I didn't have peace because in my heart, I wasn't justified. My justification came through my daily acts. And if I messed up, if I, and, and, you know, and I was always a very peaceful, quiet person until I married my husband. And then when I realized that, that I could be deeply, deeply rejected, a lot of wounds came out that I never saw before. And I became a crazy woman. Yes, I did. (laughs) When I was pregnant... He wouldn't take me. He didn't understand. He was a very, our first child. We haven't had a baby yet. Um, I was pregnant, and you know how hungry you get when you're pregnant. You, like, chew off, like, you know, a, a, a cow's leg. And, like, you're so hungry. And he's, he's a pastor at a church, so he has to talk to everybody. But I'm, I'm, like, giving him a look, like, gotta go. And he completely ignored me. I got so angry on the way to the restaurant. I said, stop the car. I'm getting out. I'm walking myself. I jumped out of the car in front of the church and walked to the restaurant. (laughs) I mean, I was crazy because I had lived a certain way. And all that was keeping my behavior intact was the law. Well, something happened where we, um, we incurred a horrible, horrible, horrible betrayal in the church. And, um, it was so deep that I didn't know it would ever recover. And it's one thing to do something wrong and then get punished. It's one thing to be innocent and then be punished. I think I fully identified at the time with Jesus more than I ever had because we had done nothing wrong. But we had set our peace, but the Holy Spirit said, Stop. You don't need to defend yourself anymore. I will defend you. So we end up... Um, Get, losing our position of ministry, which was devastating because that's all I ever knew. It's all I ever wanted. So for five years, I was in a desert place. And, and trust me, um, even though my husband would get up and preach radical messages of grace, all he ever knew was grace. All I ever knew was law. And But the thing is, is that over that five-year period, all I ever had keeping my behavior intact was the law. I didn't want to disappoint God. I didn't want to be a bad mom because that's wrong. So when the law was gone, ooh, buddy, <laughs> did I get to really see what I was made of. And, you know, honestly, I had never uttered a, a, a bad, dirty word. Like, if someone would say, darn, I'd be like, oh, my gosh. And I began talking like a sailor. 
Like, I don't even know where it came from. And I was like, I, but I didn't care because I'm not a Christian anymore. <laughs> so I thought, but every day I'd get up and I'd talk to Jesus about how I want to know him more. But I wasn't a Christian anymore because now I was cussing. You know, and so I didn't understand. And so it was crazy because here I am in this fallen state. I fell from grace as far as I thought. And, um, and so then there was a, a, a lady at my neighbor who, who wanted to get pregnant. And, like, she came over and began to talk to me. Well, I said, okay, I'll pray for you. But God's not going to hear my prayer. I'm backslidden. So I prayed for her, and she gets saved, like, right there. I'm like, whoa. Like, before, I would fast, pray, and, like, literally try to drink holy water to get someone saved. And now I'm praying for the person to be healed, and she's saved right there. I'm like, that just freaked me out. And it was just crazy because there was this little guy in the neighborhood that... And, and I've always had, like, a, a discernment. All, all Christians do. We all have the gift of discernment. Um, and so he'd walk by on the other side, every morning on the opposite side of the thing, and he would just look, and he would... He'd be saying something at my house, and it just kind of freaked me out. And see, I grew up in—I um, grew up in deliverance ministries. I was—I led deliverance teams, so I, I know what demons sound like and hear like, you know, hear, and, and what they, you know, they say. And so, but there's an easier way. When you know they've been disarmed, you don't have to fight with them anymore. That's a better way to go, because I spent hours trying to get a demon out of a woman when all when all I have to say is, Jesus. Because they are defeated. But anyway, because here I am, just came out of this. God's obviously mad at me. He took my ministry away. And there's this demonized man. I'm walking across my street. And all I said was, Lord, I don't know if you're hearing me, but just protect me from that man. Amen. I went back inside. And so this is a true story. And so several days later, we were, we were bike riding. And this man would stop my husband every day on the other side of the house and, and tell him to come over here. Come, come over here. And he'd walk across the street and be like, I, I don't think. And he would talk to him. And every time he'd come in, my husband would be so confused. And I'm like, what is the deal with this man? And so one day we're riding our bike. And um, Rodney goes, oh, there's a little man that I always talk to. And I was like, yeah, I know that man. And so we stopped by his house and he said, you. He pointed at me, you. He goes, your wife scares me. I was like, but I do. He goes, I want to come to your house. And immediately I recognized the spirit. I said, you are not welcome in my house. And he, he ignored me. And he goes, I want to come in your house. I cannot come in your house unless you invite me. I cannot even walk on the same side of the street. You have a bubble around your house. And we found out later he was in the Santeria and witchcraft. And that one little tiny prayer that I prayed in a backslidden state, I thought, put a bubble of protection around my house. He couldn't even walk on the same side of the street. It was a simple little prayer that I didn't even know God heard. But he told my husband, he said, I cannot even walk on the same side of your street. Did I need to fast and pray for that? Did I call in the name of the Lord from Sunday? No, I said a simple little prayer. I did not know that God. That was the first day I realized, I don't think I know you. So I began to pray, I want to know you, Lord. And I'd watch people like T.D. Jakes. I'm like, he really loves you. Like, I want to love you like that. And so what, what happened was, is my friend, who's very, very persistent, began calling me and saying, I'm reading this book, and every time I read this book, I hear your name, and I feel like you're supposed to read it. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not, okay, yeah, I'll read it. You know how you say it, I hung up. 
this went on for weeks and weeks and weeks, and I kept praying, God, I want to know you, God, I want to know you. And one day, this is a true story, um, she calls me up and says, listen, I know this is a word from the Lord. This is a book that you need for where you are. I know it has answers in it for you. And I'm like, okay, okay, I, I, I'll, I'll read it. And so I really did say I was going to read it, but it was going to be like when on my time. So I hang up the phone, and as soon as I hang up the phone, my mom calls. I'm like, hello, mom. And she goes, honey, I'm watching this, this oriental man on TV, and um, I don't know him. I've never seen him before, but I think you're supposed to, to uh, watch it. And I said, what's his name, mom? Joseph Prince. And I was like, oh, no, not again. And she goes, and he wrote a book called Destiny. I'm like, I know the book, mom. So I'm like, okay, it can't be a coincidence. So I go, uh, I'm like, okay, I will definitely, I go, when does it come on? Well, he's on right now. I'm like, I can't do it right now, mom. The kids want to watch Disney Channel. But tell me when, it, when with the time, and so I wrote it down. I'm like, okay, fine. I go to my, I, and so you, you know with a DVR, how you can program a certain channel to come on every time? Well, I have programmed, and still to this day, Disney Channel, because I don't want my kids to turn on the TV, and news comes on, they see something horrific. So it's programmed to go straight to Disney Channel as soon as the TV's turned on. So I turned it on, and Disney Channel came on. I said, come on, guys. My TV went to snow, and then it went to Joseph Prince. And I was like... <laughs> I literally was like, okay, I think I'm supposed to watch this. And that began my journey of understanding grace. I, I had the book, Destined to Rain, and I would literally set it down, and I would cry and cry. And I thought, it can't be this good. There's no way. It can't be this good. But I thought about it. If I can love my husband, and I think he's so good to me, how much more a deity, how much more the one who created love, the one who is defined as love, and so that began my journey of really understanding the end. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians fifteen sixteen says that sin gives death its sting, and the strength of sin is the law. So basically, the reason that a lot of the churches are not having the effect... Have you ever noticed that always the psycho killer in the movies is the Christian? Have you ever noticed that? The psycho person... That's trying to undermine society is always the Christian, and they're always wearing black and, ho- and holding the Bible, and always look like they ate pickle juice. Have you ever noticed that? Because we have come across that way. That image didn't come out there for a reason. You know what I'm saying? A lot of Christians have. I, I literally grew, grew up like this. And the Lord said that you should know Him. I mean, that's literally how I grew up. And I'd be like, yeah, okay, I promise, I promise I'll do it. And so, does that translate a loving God? Does that translate a perfect father? I did not know God's a father. And when they said he was our lover, that sounded really disturbing. Because I'm like, how could that even work? You know? And so I did not know the loving part of God. I just knew that he was somebody that I didn't want to cross. That would bless me if I was good. So I wanted to be good. So <clears throat> when I realized that, that law, every time I would preach law to my husband, he would get worse. <laughs> and you have to understand, my husband, when I first married him, was the quietest man in the world. Like, I would be going off, like, <laughs> crazy woman. And he'd be sitting there looking at me, which would make me go crazier because I got no response. And so, but as time went on and I'd preach law to him, he would give law right back to me. And he wasn't even a law person. So I literally entrenched him in law and ensnared him. 
thankfully he's free now, but like I gave him the law. Like I was serving him daily doses of the law. And so I want to talk to you wives for just a second. Nagging is a self-righteous act because nagging is, it's my responsibility to change you. It's my responsibility to, <laughs> stop praising the Lord over there, Rodney. It, my responsibility to, to fix you. It's on me. It's my act. Because all self-righteousness is, I used to think it was pride and this and that, is just an act to, to do or be. That's it. An act to do or be. Self-righteousness is just an act to do or to be. And I would try to make him into this, make him into that, make him into this. And when I came, when I started reading Destined to Rain, I started like ingesting it. A few months in, he came to me and he goes, honey, he goes, you're different. I'm like, I'm different? Really? He goes, yeah. He goes, you're softer. I was like, whoa, I'm softer. I've never been accused of being soft. I'm an outspoken person. If I have it on my mind, it comes out my mouth. And so for him to say I was softer, that had to be God. And I was like, wow, this is really real. And so that's when he began to read the book with me. And, and, and of course, he was saved by grace, but came into the church and was enslaved by law. And, but now, praise the Lord, we found a church that leads us to, to Jesus, and they don't enslave people in law. Because why? When you preach the law, what happens? It gives strength to what? Sin. I can remember listening to messages about what I should do and don't do and leave feeling so beat up. If you feel like you're going to disappoint your husband, wife, boyfriend, or girlfriend, does that make you want to be really close and intimate with them? And the moment you mess up, what do you want to do? You, you run. I remember every time I'd mess up, I want to run from God. Whereas where sin increases, grace increases... At that moment, there's more grace and love for me had I just walked normal. He wants me to run at that moment. And I, and I didn't realize that. But once I did, I was just like, I, I was completely overwhelmed. And please help me with the time because I can ramble on and on. What time is it? Okay, so I'll wrap it up. Okay. See, what, what happened was is man, and they're still doing this today, tried to bring law to human terms so we could... Do it so we could fulfill it. Jesus came, if you'll read the Gospels, he came to raise the law back to its pristine standards. And what did he say over here? And if you read Matthew 5, you'll understand. Jesus said, you ha-, this is Jesus talking it was in uh, Matthew 5, 21, if you want to write down. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder. And anyone who, who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Drop down to verse 27. You've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with him, with her in his heart. <clears throat> Excuse me. What was Jesus doing here? He was saying, you have reduced the law to common terms. That is not what the law was made to do. I am coming to put the law back in its pristine terms. It's not just to be done outwardly. It must be perfectly done inwardly. Therefore, that's why I am the only one the only candidate, the only, the only spotless lamb that can fulfill it. When Jesus fulfilled the law, he wiped our slates clean. We literally, there is nothing between us and God. I don't care if you fought for your husband on the way to church or you screamed at your kids. 
I don't care if you cheat on your taxes. <laughs> the point is, is that Jesus, when Jesus sees you, when God sees you, it's through the blood of Jesus. I never got that. Like, we are in Christ. And, and it's, so, it's so amazing because going back to um, Romans 5, it says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God. And that's where our peace lies, is knowing that we're justified. That the law came to an end. And I want to read a scripture before we get there, before I close, because I think it's so poignant. I think it's in my, my phone. What do I do with my phone? Oh, there it is. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to talk about disarming principalities um, really quick because we talked about, I, I gave you a brief little synopsis about um, deliverance ministries. <clears throat> Not just to that extent, but like any kind of stronghold where we have bad habits or we, we feel like this area is just, you know, I want you to know that that has been broken. Like when Jesus said it came to an end, it came to an end. And I'll read it to you. Having canceled the written code. What was the written code? The law. With its regulations that was against us. Remember? It's against us. It wasn't made to cleanse us. It was, it's a mirror made to reflect us. And like Joseph Prince always says, you can't take a mirror and wash your face with it. It just reflects what it sees. Um, with his regulations that was against us, that stood opposed to us, he took it away. What does it mean to take something away? It means it's gone. It's the end. Dum, dum, dum. Right? Um, that was against us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. Having done this, he disarmed principalities and authorities and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them, over them on the cross. So what, he disarmed principalities. So my question is, what was the principalities armed with? The law. They were disarmed with the law. So anytime we give the law to ourselves, each other, our co-workers, you're going to get more of what you don't like. Because why? It's the strength of sin. You are, you are rearming the enemy. Because all he has against you is something that has been satisfied. But if you don't know that, then he can defeat you. That's why so many Christians live in defeat. They don't realize he has been disarmed with the law. And so I just I want to just, just say that Jesus wants us free means free. We are free from that. Satan is disarmed. He only had one weapon. It was a law. And I'm going to close with this scene to give you a mental picture. I, I'm very visual. How many of you saw the Chronicles of Narnia? Love, love, love those movies. Okay, when the white witch came to accuse Edmund, such a beautiful picture of the Bible, she, she had all right to ride her little a polar bear chariot right up to Aslan, who was, of course, depicting Jesus. And she had every right to be there. Remember how Satan used to come to Jesus and, and give the law? He no longer, the Bible says that was cleared away once Jesus died on the cross. He can no longer come up there to accuse us because he no longer has anything to accuse us with. So the white witch rode in and she said, It says in the law. And she began to recite the law. And Aslan roared and said, I wrote the law. Don't you tell me the law. But she did. She, uh, Edmund had to die. So then he asked for a private 
conference where they went in the tent. And then, of course, we see later that Aslan came and died for Edmund. But she had a right to come and take him because she was armed with what? The law. So in closing, I want to say, don't rearm the enemy with the law. It's the end. That chapter is closed. We live in a new era of grace, of beauty. In fact, Moses, people are like, why didn't Moses enter the promised land? The Bible clearly tells him, he goes, you did not, he talks about how he struck the rock. He goes, you did not present me as holy. Jesus' definition of being most holy is being gracious. When, when Moses struck, struck the rock, because God didn't tell him to strike the rock. The first time he told him to strike the rock, the second time he said, speak to the rock. Because that was a prophetic picture of now, you get to speak. You get to have the, the, the mouth and the words of God. And so, I, I want, God has, it, it is finished. Everything, and if you go back, go back now and read Deuteronomy 28. Because I used to read that and think, oh, this would all be great if I could just keep all of this. Well, Jesus disarmed the enemy. He fulfilled the first portion. No, go, go back. I, I want you, this is your homework. <laughs> and read Deuteronomy 28, all that is provided to us today. That is our provision. He died to give it to you. It was not a small thing. He does not wink at sin. He died to cover it. He, he died to annihilate it. And that's it. Did you want to say something? So the first five books of uh, our Bible is called the law. That, so when Paul references that in the book of uh, Romans, if you look it up in Greek, it means the Torah. It means the Torah. Yes. And Jesus says in Luke twenty four forty four that I have fulfilled uh, the law. Yes. And the prophets and the Psalms. And the Jewish community, that's how they split up their book. Exactly. It's the, it's the prophets, it's the Psalms, and it's the Torah. Yes. So that's the law. That's it the most certainly law. is. If you were to try to take a portion of the prophets and try to use it against the body of Christ, you can't. Because Jesus said, I fulfilled also all the prophets. Right. See? So, so without seeing the revelation of that grace, you can be twisting those scriptures and taking the law of God, so to speak, and, and really kind of messing up a lot of people without getting revelation of what mm-hmm. Jesus said about how he fulfilled it all. Yes. You know, so that's right. That's so I, good. That's why we've got uh, real quick the Israel covenants that uh, Messianic Jews believe in because they don't rightly divide the word of truth. They exactly. They don't see the grace. Yes, the first five books of the Old Testament is the Torah. And when Jesus came, that's why the Gospels, if you, the Gospels were, are Jesus coming to fulfill those, to to take them from human standards back to pristine standards to know that this must not only be kept outwardly, it must be perfectly kept inwardly so that we could come to the end of ourselves and be like, I need a Savior. And so I encourage you, live at the end of yourself. Live at the end. Because then you'll, you'll realize that you can't do it. You'll give up, and then all the blessings will flow. Okay, let's pray. <laughs> I just want to pray for you. Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for every person in the sound of my voice, God. I thank you, Lord. As I look at their radiant faces, God, I can tell the Lord that they, they, they truly love you and they've received your love. God, I pray myself, <coughs> excuse me, myself included, Lord, that we would this, this week have an, another open door 
open to us of faith, God. You, Lord, you have the key of David. You open doors no man can shut, and you shut doors no man can open. Lord, open to us another door of faith to see you in your beauty, because that's all faith is, is to see you in your beauty and to receive your love. Teach us, Lord, and then give us opportunities. Make our eyes aware of opportunities to share that, Lord. But we don't have to create those opportunities. We don't have to make those opportunities happen, but they are happening all around us. Give us eyes to see. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.